0: This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans,
1: for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club.
0: Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street Everton FC fans podcast. I'm your standing host, Paul Wheelock, while Ian Crawley's having a couple of days off. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by one of our regulars, Tom Clark. How's it going? Uh, Good mate And we're also joined by uh, After a man of the match performance On his debut last month Anthony McKellen Hello, mate. You OK? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Uh, Anthony and Tom will be joining us tonight to, to look back on Saturday's 0-0 draw with Crystal Palace, the future of the forward line, an area of massive improvements under Marco Silva, Friday's visit of Burnley, and whether it will be the last time we see two or maybe three key players at Goodison Park. But we'll start by looking back on that draw at Crystal Palace. Tom Ant, what did you make of it?
2: Well, um, I wasn't able to make it myself. Obviously, I was covering the uh, Marine, so I wasn't able to watch Everton. But from Bad that was a worst day, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> even worse one, yeah, getting relegated, obviously. But for Everton as well, it was frustrating, it looked like. It looked like we had, I think it was 22 shots, three on target. And that just pretty much sums up Everton at the moment in terms of the forward line and what we're lacking. Uh, we thought maybe a couple of times this season that we've got that in Calvert-Lewin. But as a long-term thing, obviously, he's, he's there as long-term, but like... He's not good enough at the moment. So I think it, it, it's pretty obvious that what we need at the moment from that game. But it was unfortunate we didn't get that win because obviously it pulls away from the European places.
1: To be honest, I was hoping that we would get the, the full three points and continue this push for seventh. And, uh, you know, if we can sneak in the back door of getting into Europe, looking at it that way. Again, as you say, our feelings have, you know, come to the fore in the fact of us just being clinical in front of goal, you know. Whether that falls on, you know, 22-year-old that is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I, I don't know. You know, you look to the bench and it, you would like to hope Walcott could come on and change change that type of game. But from the season he's had, he's not there to be called upon. Uh, same with Cenk Tossen. So I, I think it does bring up definitely the debate of, yeah, key areas we're going to talk later in the show. <clears throat> the key area is probably, for me, the forward line being strengthened and... Not really at rest on all on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's shoulders. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a fantastic prospect Um, from the Under-21s World Cup when they won it. Absolutely brilliant. Everybody was raving about Solanke. I would say Dominic Calvert-Lewin's come out with the best reputation and has is, is, yeah. is built on it from there. So I would like to see him, yes, definitely become a key member of the squad. Uh, first team, definitely. It's good to see him have his chances at the moment, which we spoke about last time I was on. Glad that he's had his chance, but it, it is something that's lacking for us at the moment and it is costing us valuable points.
0: Let's have that debate then while we're on it, you know, Calvert-Lewin. I, I had it with Ian Cloth, our usual host of this podcast a couple of weeks. We did like a video, a bit of a debate about it and I was playing devil's advocate a bit because like you and I'm a, a big fan of Calvert-Lewin and I thought, you know, rather than blowing all our money on a, not a big name striker, but say like a sizable chunk of the budget we've got on a striker, wouldn't it be best to maybe bring in another player who can play across the, the front line and add 10, 12 goals to so add to like the 10, 12, 15 goals which Charleston and Sigurdsson's have got but that was probably after the Arsenal game when, you know, Calvert's living stock was so high. Has the last couple of weeks convinced you, say, Tom, like I'm saying there, that, you know, if, if we have to sign one player this summer, it's a striker.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I think it's been... Uh, obviously, everyone was saying that we need to replace Lukaku when we haven't yet done that. Um, there was debates over whether we'd done that already in some shape or form. Early in the season, it was Richarlison up top. Now it's Calvert-Lewin hitting some form. But I do think we just need someone, we we, st- we just need, need him up front, I, I think it's too much pressure on Calvert-Lewin's shoulders to make him the, the main man already uh, for the long term and I do think he needs someone to learn from, someone to play with, someone to play off, some competition for him as well for a young lad, he's 22 years, years old and if we're going to push for Europe we can't push all our weight on a 22 year old up front, so um, we do need someone a little bit older for him to learn from and bounce off and uh, work together maybe, if, if not play together then just a uh, Provide some competition to be honest because at the moment he's just not scoring goals.
0: And you were a, a psycher in your playing days on Everson's books as a kid. I, I don't mean to be harsh with Calvert Lewin here, but is he ever going to be a goal scorer? You can see he's a great leader of the line, you know, he gives it his absolute all. But even in those wins against Arsenal and Manchester United, which were so convincing, I can't remember him having too many chances.
1: I, I think he's. Possibly um, the role that he's played since he's broken into the team. I think probably uh, Big Dunk has probably had a lot of influence on that way. Um is he maybe going down a similar route to Ferguson. Ferguson, you know, was not a a, a massive goal scorer, but he's an Everton legend that we all look to. However, he would score that one goal that would win a game, you know, from a a set piece or a ball into the box. He will bulldoze somebody over to get that. You can see that potential, I think, within Calvert-Lew. And I think some of the link-up play that I've witnessed over the last few weeks... Um, of his running the team and that and stuff although he's not been getting into the right positions he's been helping others get into the right positions and uh, and making the, the right runs he's 22 so age is on his side to still work develop the, the finishing touches as it is for his finishing uh, the way that I see it um, going back to what Tom's just turned around and said though he's got no competition um, <clears throat> he knows that Silva's got no faith in tossing. He'll throw him on for 15 minutes in a desperate bid, but he's not got faith in that he's going to go on and score the goal that will win the game, even though he was unlucky with a great effort that he had there on Saturday, to be honest. And I, I would have been made up for him f- to have got that and maybe him a bit of a confidence boost and that stuff. Also possibly push up his price if we yeah. think <laughs> him. So. Yeah, it's a palace maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at things, you, you know, in that way pushes stock up. But Calvert-Lewin i have definitely definitely say i'm i'm a fan of his I, I really do think the application the effort the determination that he has i would love to see it rewarded in you know uh running the team which he's getting at, at the moment not just for the rest of this season hopefully beyond next season he's got pre-season he can go back carry on working with uh you know big dunk the other forward coaches that that, that are at the club that he works with um carry on what he's doing there and you know the finishing the the finishing really just just, just carry on trying to work on it 22 so he's got time in my opinion
0: Agree with that. You know, it's there? Let's play devil uh, play speculation game a bit here. You know, is there any kind of strikers, Tom? You would like to see us see us sign? I know we could all say Griezmann, <laughs> we could all say you know Messi, whoever. But realistically, is there any kind of players you think you know? I like Everton. Have a look at him
2: uh, There's been a few ma- names mentioned already, but the one I like is a uh, Marega who's a porter at the moment, and uh, he was brought up a couple of, couple, of, couple of weeks ago, I think, and he played quite well against Liverpool in the Champions League, and he's done quite well over there this season as well. There's been a few. You mentioned in terms of um, even ones over in England, um, Shea Adams has been mentioned from Birmingham. But for me, it would be Moraga, um, to be honest. I think he's a strong striker. He could he could lead our line well and he's fast as well. So he could he'd, he'd pretty much exactly what we need if we can get him off pause. So obviously they've been getting Champions League football and we're not even getting Europa League here by the looks of it. So uh, whether we can actually get him, that is, an, is a different matter really. But he's the one I'd go for, to be honest. Lance, anyone off the top of your head are you thinking about?
1: There was the one that we spoke about, wasn't there? Um, I asked whether or not you'd actually heard anything on it. The Uruguayan, um, who's playing in Spain at Betis.
0: Oh, yes, I remember the name. You're just checking them out now, aren't you, at the moment? but Do you think (coughs) of why you do that, mate? Do you think... Is that the exciting part on the on the brands? Like the fact that he's probably going to go for some new names, isn't he? Like he almost like he did last last summer. I imagine a lot of the signings he made, we weren't expecting, were we?
2: Yeah, obviously he signed some pretty quality players last year. Everyone we brought in last year has proved to be brilliant here after the horrendous uh, incomings of the previous year. Obviously it was a refreshing aim breath of fresh air really to be honest but uh, I think we all trust him massively to bring in talents because he's brought through talents uh, in his previous clubs and he's got a good eye and we've got a new sc- uh, scouting system and it looks like we're on, on the right track really to bring in good players So, and with it being a striker obviously it's obviously more exciting as well uh, with it being, bringing in striking, striker and I think he will uh, have an eye for a good one so we're all excited this, sh- this summer because he's built it up himself to be, to be honest he said we weren't going to buy anyone in January because it was going to be a big summer
0: we started to talk about this debate a bit earlier and, and Tom mentioned Lukaku like and you can see him in the press hasn't he? You know I don't know if you've seen him today kind of thing and he's talking about like oh I don't know whether I'll be here next year you know I've always liked to play in Serie A and was in a weird way better off without that kind of circus that came with Lukaku year in and year out and I know it's easier now with the benefit of hindsight now that he's not playing well you kind of think oh do you miss him? But just all that like you look at him you want players committed don't you?
1: Definitely um, we miss his goals but I think, um, as Manchester United are finding out, he's not a big game player. He'd never turned up or very rarely turned up for us when we played top four, top six sides, however you want to call it. I don't think his goal-scoring record against the top top four, top six with United is much improved in any way at all. Um, I don't think he had much of a kick-up against Barcelona. So <clears throat> I think Lukaku is very much hype. Um, yeah, He's going to score four against Bournemouth for you and someone in the lower leagues to get uh, in the lower etches of the league and everything um, to to get those 20-odd goals that he was getting a season for us. But crucial goals, no. And I think United have found that out with him. And I, I don't think United would be sorry to see him go. And wherever he goes, I think he'll still have the same problem. I miss him in a way, of course, yeah, because we never replaced him and we've suffered. We didn't have anybody holding the ball up, you know, for... The however many percentage of games you want to say he actually performed them, but it was a massive difference. And on Saturday, if we'd have had Lukaku, we could have possibly won 1-0 Or more than that because of his presence up there is getting us a goal. He can finish better than Calvert-Lewin can at the moment and that he's far more progressed.
0: Yeah, I don't think Lukaku's coming back to Goodison Park anytime soon. I think his reception he got a couple of weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> said there's yeah. no love lost there. No. So we've been talking about the, the lack of cutting edge and maybe a deficiency in the state force. So let's talk about a positive Seventh clean sheet in nine games for Everton on Saturday. And uh, Adam Jones from the Air reported today that there's only actually three teams in the Premier League, Liverpool, City and Chelsea, who've kept more clean sheets in, in this, this season in the league. Start so, with you, Tom. Does that surprise you?
2: Um, yeah, to be honest, um, considering the inconsistency we've had to be honest as well we haven't played with solid back four all the way through the season in terms of personnel we've uh, switched it about a little bit sometimes Shaggy has come in Yeri Mean has come in um, Seamus Coleman played out of form so we played John Joe Kenny for a little bit in there as well so it's been a little bit uh, changed around but it's it's, it's stay consistent nonetheless and um obviously Jordan Pickford hasn't even had the best campaign of his life as well so it has been a bit of a surprise to be honest I think a major factor in that is Luka Dean obviously uh, absolutely quality left back who's come in uh, straight away and started playing at the top of his game but it's not just the defence in my opinion I think um, in a lot of the games we played this season we haven't done it all the time but the high press in terms of uh, defending from the front as well um, is what's what's done it for us really because I've seen us keep clean sheets this season in the last few weeks to be honest Um, and the defence haven't even had to do much because the pressure's come from, um, even up front, and midfield with the attacking attacking three. Um, so I think that's where it's coming from, to be honest, as well as defence. As good as the defence have been, obviously, uh, Zuma and Keane have formed a good partnership, but I do think it's from favour up the pitch, to be honest. So I'm impressed, uh, pleasantly surprised, yeah.
1: Makes a difference, defending from the front. i definitely agree with that, and teams that i played in. Um, if you can get that, and you can get that right, it does take the pressure off the defence. Um the last time I was on the podcast, we were talking about, should we drop Jordan Pickford? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely... was after the Newcastle game, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? There's definitely no mention of that since then, as you say. We've had a crack and run of clean sheets since then. Um, stability of the back line, although Coleman, yeah, he wasn't performing well. Brought Kenny in, Coleman's back in, captain in the team, Zuma and Keem. You know, seem to be getting better and better as a partnership the more and more we've got into the season. We're probably at a point where we don't really want the season to end. We're just sort of kicking on into our our best kind of form. Could do with a bit of a transfer window maybe to buy that striker that we were talking <laughs> about, but we're in the right stages at the moment. Everything seems to be working well. Definitely agree with Tom's point on Lucas Dina. You know, fantastic left-back has been Everton's player of the season from my point of view, um, without a doubt. Um Again, we spoke about it, Bernard seems to be creating a nice little partnership as well down that left-hand side. And when you've got things like that going for you, pressing from the front then becomes easier and it takes the pressure off. And they seem to be working very, very hard. The fitness levels seem to be right up there. And Saturday's stats, one of the ones that we didn't say 64% of possession that we had there. We did dominate the ball as well. Unfortunately, didn't convert it into, into goals uh, t- to go on and win the game. But the, the the rest of the performance overall was very, very positive.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I know I, I certainly felt that before his appointments and, and definitely during periods in the season when we seem to concede from every kind of free kick or corner that came against City. us, you know, there were questions over Marco Silver about how he'd set up his side to, to make sure that he was secure defensively. Tom, to, 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 you were spot on there, mate. It's not just about the defence, it's about the press. But he seems to have answered those questions now, doesn't he, Silver, There's no one saying, this is a manager who can't defend.
2: Yeah, definitely. Even before he came in, a lot of people were saying, when we were on the lookout for a manager, people were saying, well, Marco Silva's strong in attack, but he's not that good at defence. And um, he's, he's came in, he's, at the latter part of the season anyway, he's proved everyone wrong, really, in terms of he has kept clean sheets for us and the system is working. And it did take a while for zonal marking to happen and for people to get the the hang of it really and probably longer than it should have, been, should have done but it, it does seem to be drilled into them and they are getting the hang of it now and it, it has took the best part of the season and we have conceded some stupid goals because of it but I think we're finally getting the hang of it and obviously it was it was always going to take time with Matthew Silva and I think that was probably one of the aspects that was we were most impatient with to be honest because it was just stupid we were losing games because of it because of it. I'd love to see how many points we've lost because of it because it was just every single game and that's what everyone was targeting against us. Even the lower sides were targeting set pieces against us. But it seems like now we seem to be getting the hang of zona marking. So finally things are on the right path and uh, Marcus Silva's proven everyone wrong.
0: And we'll come back to a uh, play we've, we've touched on already here, uh, you know, because Sam Carroll, uh, one of my colleagues here, he was, at, he was at Sellers Park, I should say, on Saturday for the Echo alongside Phil Kirkbride and he picked out Kurt Zuma for his man of the match. You know, have you been really impressed by him as the as the season's gone on?
1: Kurt Zuma definitely. Uh, he's established himself into that back line. He's probably, you know, for the, the Central Defensive Partnerships playing, he's probably the first name on the team sheets as far as Silva's concerned and every Ever- Evertonian right now. Um, he's been very consistent uh, of recent. I think he's built up a fantastic understanding and relationship with Michael Keane. And I think that's sort of, you know we had Pickford in the spotlight and I, I think Pickford, we were saying was nervous of what was in front of him. And I think Zuma's presence in there has calmed that down. And you've seen a calmer Jordan Pickford. And we, we, we now those mistakes that we've been talking about, you know, set pieces, the zonal mark and this, that and the, other, it seems to be disappearing from our performances. And that it definitely in my eyes is a, is a big plus point from the last, last four to six weeks of our season so far.
0: Tom, have you had to pick one who's had the better season? Keane or
2: Zuma? Oh, I think in terms of most improved it's got to be Michael Keane because we've seen him alongside Ashley Williams last year and he was he was pretty dreadful at times. People were saying he turns like a cruise ship, he's a bit slow <laughs> but in the air you can't beat him in the air. He's, he's really solid in the air Michael Keane um, and he's, he's turning into that centre-back that he was so promised today with with Man- Manchester United. Obviously, we saw yeah, good pedigree, and we expected him to turn into a good defender. But sometimes he looked a bit clueless last year. But now he's coming to his own. Uh, if it was to choose between the two, though, to be honest, I'd probably go with Kante because of his pace. I think for a centre back, he's ridiculously fast. He um, he's he's good in the air as well as as um, as Michael Keane is as well. But for for his pace purely and his um and his just ability to recover and yeah, I just th- think. Kate K- for me, yeah, definitely. We've got mm-hmm. to keep all of them.
1: It's physique, I'd say, as well on Zuma that I missed off there. It's physique as well. He can bully opposition forwards. Well, he did that
0: against the hard in he? stood up to him.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's a, a key thing. Sometimes you need <clears throat> that person in there who you're going to turn around and go, right, he's doing it. I'm going to crack on doing it.
0: Definitely, you know, so you two are obviously big fans, I'm a big fan, Seamus Coleman sounds a big fan, he was saying after the game, like, you know, when are you going to sign Kurt and all the all the dressing room is supposedly getting on his back, so everyone wants him to stay, I'm sure Brands and Silver want him to stay, but obviously there's this problem with Chelsea and a potential transfer ban, I haven't seen him now, do we have to get this deal done no matter what it takes this summer?
2: Yeah, obviously we've got Yeri in there as well, um, and he hasn't got much playing time this season, considering he's signed on a permanent as well, so we've got him properly, but... I do think there's a weakness there in terms of injuries and maybe that's why other teams had not gone for him and that's why we were able to get him from Barcelona. Um, That's why I think Manchester United might have pulled out because of his injury history. But if he can stay out of injuries, we've got got him there as well. We've got quality centre-backs. Whether Jagielka stays or not, we've got Mason Holgate coming back as well. and um, We've got cover, but I I do think we need him, to be honest. Obviously, with the partnership he's he's formed with Michael Keane this year, it should be our, our main priority, to be honest.
1: I would agree on that one. Definitely, first, first pen and paper contract transfer fee done paid. Kurt Zuma, first on the first on the list.
0: First on the list. As I say, Friday. It could be like an emotional night. It could be a, an incest night because we've got Zuma making his last Everton appearance of his long spell at Goodison Park. Gomez, who would be if he if he wasn't suspended, and we will come to him. And it's just a guy in a moment. But I didn't have this on the agenda, but I should because obviously in these next couple of days we may find out whether the club are going to offer new deals to to Baines and Jackie Elka. Uh first and foremost to both yet, do you think they both deserve new de- deals? Would you give them new deals and it, and if they don't and they come out saying no at the end of the season that that they're going to be leaving the club is it right to do it before this Burnley game should we get the send off, you know, I think they definitely deserve
2: definitely deserve to to know before this game really so we can all give them the send off they deserve but I don't think that'll be the case to be honest I think there's been talk of a one year extension for Leighton Baines this week and I believe that to be honest I think um, Marco Silva said in his press conference before the last game that uh, he knows what's going to happen and I do think that will be a one year extension Uh, so I think Baines will be staying on so we won't won't have to worry about saying goodbye to him but um, everyone's been saying Baines and Jagielka together obviously because the, the deals are running out together but I do think they're two different cases to be honest I think Baines is still a class player but Jagiel's a little bit behind that. Um, obviously, he played well in the Arsenal game, got the goal. But then against Fulham, he was a little bit bullied by Aleksandr Mitrovic. And he's a little bit more of a liability than Baines might be. You know, Baines give away a penalty as well this season. So they're obviously both getting on. But they're incredible servants to the club. And they can't be treated like Osman and Hibbert did at the end of their contracts. Obviously, we should treat them as, a, as as Everton legends at the moment because we can't just let them go like that. But um, there's an argument for, are they blocking the the. the progressive younger players as well the likes of Anthony Robinson could he come back in and cover cover Luke Dean instead but um, no I do think Leighton Baines has wanted in his performances this season for us when he stepped in he's wanted a new deal and to be honest probably Jagiel can maybe for a new year, uh, one one year extension as well just for his uh, just for what he's done for the club and to be honest he's, he's still solid he's lost a bit of pace but he's still he's still quite solid so uh, yeah I'd, I'd extend them both by a year to be honest
1: Yeah Leighton Baines I'd read the same thing I think he will be offered the Jagielka one could be based on whether or what's happening with Chelsea and whether or not we could get Zuma. obviously. If we don't, they might decide, yes, we'll give you another year because we can't have Zuma now. Uh, that could be part of it as to why that's not come out. Um, Jagielka, for his leadership as well, his character in the dressing room, I think, uh, you know, would definitely warrant at least, you know, one more year, give him one more year, good send-off. Um, same with Baines, excellent servants. And, and it was disappointing. I, I thought what happened with both Osman and Hibbert, and I wouldn't agrees, like to see yeah. it go, go the same route. And then, you know, you've got players in there being long-standing long, long servants thinking, I'll go and finish my career somewhere else. You don't really get looked after here at Everton and that and stuff. You, other people would have seen that. And we don't want to come across, that's not the type of club that we are. No,
0: it's, it was like a rare misstep because I, I constantly say this at like, the Everton game or when you go to you get you know Finch Farm the events they have on, on there and things like that we do things off the field so right as a club don't we we're trying to get better on the field I did think that Leon Osman told me him it was just a, a rare misstep as I say because I know there's people who kind of like take the mick out of Tony here because he never scored but he, you don't play 400 odd games when he played for Everton without being a good player and Leon Osmond was a Big part of a very good team, wasn't it? So I, I, talk, I don't know about you guys. Like, if if it means Baines or it looks maybe more likely Jagielka, I'm not going to deal. They need to know, don't they? So on Friday night, we can all say, "Well done." Thanks to very the, much. Yeah. yeah,
1: It's important, that isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely for the fans as well.
0: Yeah, because you, you you want to show that, don't you? You do. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. As I mentioned a moment ago, two other players whose futures are yet to be decided, Andre Gomez, because we all know he's on loan for Barcelona. He'll probably be at Goodison, hopefully be on the lap of honour after the pitch because I'm sure everyone will want to give him a chin. And address a guy. Firstly, let's start with Gomez. Uh, anything changed? You know, he had a t- time out of the team and he came back and then against Arsenal, particularly, if it was magnificent. Is he still, like Zuma? someone we need to, to get done? Tom? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting one where the witch is the priority because I would probably go with Zuma, Um But, as good as Gomez has been this season, I think we do have to keep him as well. He's he's enjoying his football year again. when he wasn't at Barcelona, I think he wants to stay himself. Um, I'm not sure how much it'll cost because Barcelona did play quite a bit, uh, pay quite a bit for him. I think it was close to forty million or something like that. There's been different figures quoted for what we'll pay for him, um, but I do think he's warranted that. To be fair, this season it's been it's been an interesting one. Um, there was a good piece uh, for the Echo by David Hughes where he did um, the stats of Gomez and how influential has he actually been. And in terms of those stats, it doesn't seem like he's been that influential, but I think he's he's building himself as a footballer again because he was completely knocked down to nothing at Barcelona. And he's starting to build himself as a footballer again. And Everton fans of, of, have... Uh, of, Really got on board with that and just just uh, starts to love him to be honest. And I do think he's been a key part of our build-up play. Um, if he's not got the goals and assists, then um, he he really has a play, play the part in that. He can he can spray a forty-yard pass easily, and he's he's uh, he's got the shield and the, the ball with his body and he's good defensively as well. So I'd, I'd keep all of them definitely to be honest. Um, Andre Gomez is definitely a priority for me. Zuma and Gomez both on the top of our transfer list for me.
1: I would definitely say exactly the same. When we said before priority, yeah. Zoom with the priority. But then 10 minutes later, I won't go. and sorted. <laughs> you, you know, um, he has been very influential this season. Um, the, my, my worry is Tottenham are sniffing around him. Yeah. I've heard Tottenham are sniffing around him and there's Champions League football on offer, uh, offer on there. The transfer fee could be an issue with Gomez. Um, that could be a, a possible walking point for us. And the other thing is, what teams in the Champions League coming for him and that, and c- c- can offer him more than what Everton can offer him at the moment. Um, but yeah, 10 minutes later, after Zuma, Gomez in the door for me, please.
0: I'll pick up on point, points you both made there, because start with yours, mate, about Tottenham. I watched him against Arsenal, Gomez. And you know who he reminds me of? And, to- and the other point I was going to pick up on is Tom, like, talk about what David's stats there, because if you look at Gomez's stats, not particularly king of assists, you know, he's he's not I think he's got one goal, hasn't he, so far this yeah. season. So on paper you'd think, oh what does he do? But you know, against Arsenal, you know, you remind me of Dembele of Tottenham. Yeah. You know, because I'm pretty sure if you look back over Dembele's stats over the years, he wasn't at either at the top of either of those lists. But he was an absolute brute in midfield, he could be physical and he could play. And that's why it just annoyed me so much when he got sent off against uh, you know Fulham. Yeah. Because, well no, he didn't get sent off, Then he retrospectively got his free match ban because it looked like he was back to his best, but do you agree with Ant there? You know, like a Tottenham could be looking at him, but equally, as you said, mate, he, he was in a pretty low state, wasn't he, after Barcelona? He's admitted it himself. He did a very honest interview, didn't he? He's built himself back up as a player over here. That surely means something, doesn't it? If you're happy over maybe going to play for a club who are at this stage more advanced than Everton.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think he's made it clear that he wants to stay himself, but... Um, I think, as, as we've said, Tottenham are sniffing around them because he would be perfect for them for the type of hold the midfield role they play. Um, but I think there's a lot we can learn from Tottenham. Um, we're quite similar as a club in terms of ambitions, so maybe we can take a little bit from that system as well. We're playing a similar formation to they have in the past, so maybe we can... Um, to keep hold of him because I know they want him as well because he will fit in perfectly to their system but he is fitting into our system as well so um we've got the advantage to be honest because obviously he knows the club he wants to stay here so I think uh, advantage Everton over Tottenham at the moment and um in terms of the stats though he's not had a massive contribution in terms of goals and assists but um it, it's, it's obvious to see uh, the fans wouldn't um, Want to sign him if he wasn't doing well, and it's clear that he's doing well. and he's a He's a, he's a quality footballer. Whether he's getting the goals and assists or not, and he's contributing quite a lot. He's covering. Um, I like the way he drops back sometimes um, to cover his fullbacks, allowing the fullbacks to get out more often. Um, like Coleman has in recent in recent weeks, and Dean has as well. Um, he, he drops back and he covers those, and that goes unnoticed sometimes. But some of the work he does do, does go unnoticed. But his um his, his overall contribution has to be has to be rewarded with a deal
0: fingers crossed. Mr. Meshire, listening to this podcast and if he does, but if you are, get your checkbook out for him and <laughs> get your checkbook <laughs> out for zoomer <laughs> and a striker, <laughs> but he has got his checkbook out. It seems to give uh, Tom Davis a new and improved contact.
1: Please with that mate? Tom Davis. Yeah. Um, still at the moment, only potential, but still very young boy. Um, another one that all Evertonians want to see succeed. Um, <clears throat> the, what he did against City in that game, you know, it'll give him legendary status forever, I think. And we'd like to see much more of that in an Everton jersey. We probably haven't seen the best of him this season, but I think he's been in the team more when the team hasn't been in his best. Um so whether he gets any more time on the pitch in the last two games of the season, I don't know. But obviously looking forward to next season. Hopefully he'll play more of a key role. Hopefully his developments come on, even though he spends quite a bit of it watching from the sidelines. Um, but I, I'm pleased that he's going to be at the club long term and, and he's getting an improved deal. Hopefully we'll see a lot more of him next season in a much improved Everton, in a much improved Everton team building on how we finish this season.
0: Tom, I've been on podcasts before, and you've made some really good points about Tom Davis, and it kind of comes back to what you were saying then about the high press. And you've long been like an advocate of. You think he's one of our best pressers, don't you? Do you think that's why Silver said, "Let's keep this lad. Let's build it. You know, let's build him into our plans."
2: Yeah, definitely. He just runs at you, doesn't he? And he's a young player, and he's full of energy, and he's quite. Being quite good off the bench this season in terms of coming on and just intimidating the uh, the defense and the opposition, getting the ball off them and just harrying them like mad. Um, but I do think his role has changed this year. Um, even at the start of the season, it's changed since then because he was played with Gay sometimes. Because we obviously have two, um, we have two different central midfield roles at Everton at the moment. And those two, those two seen to be the sitting the sitting role and then the more advanced role in the number ten position. And I think. Tom Davis has become more of a number ten this season, and I think he's he's pretty much the backup for Gilfie Sigurdsson at the moment. That seems to be the role he's coming off the bench to play. I don't think he's a sitting midfielder because you, c- you can't sit. He's a, he's full of energy. He, he's a ball of energy. He can't play a sitting midfield role. So I think that's why he's justified his role as a number ten. We were talking at the start of the season about the lack of backup for a number ten for Gilfy Sigurdsson, um, but I do think that's what the, Tom Davis has become, and that's why he's been offered the new contract because that's the role that Silver sees him in in the future. I think.
1: Yeah, Silver's definitely him, I think, from the the, the games, the performances that it the, that he has, and he's come on for the, the harrying of the defence. You know, he is a nuisance. Basically, Silver's going go on, be a nuisance. You stop them coming forward by being a nuisance up there. Um number ten for the future. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Um, sometimes I think when he's been further back he's made the a couple of mistakes as well so sometimes like Barkley was a little yeah. bit the same wasn't he and how he developed Barkley into a he, number he never ten.
0: hides does he on the ball Tom like he always sighs and plays a pass and if you make that pass deeper
1: you, you could be in trouble yeah.
0: whereas if you're doing the final third you're braver aren't you
1: Yeah, yeah and if it comes off in the final third it can be a goal if it doesn't come off in your own third can be a goal conceded and the crowd will be on your back won't it exactly it is it
0: can be a tough crowd but at the moment it's a a brilliant crowd everyone's really made up the atmosphere is superb and on on Friday we're we're back there at Goodison against uh, Burnley just to Tom you mentioned Tom Davis there would you give him a go on Friday would you mix things up or are we still thinking there's a chance of Europe we've got to go strong again
2: I think we'd stick, stick with the lineup at the moment to be honest I wouldn't mix it up too much um, I think we have still got a chance if we play like that we'd we'll be talking about it differently if, if that, even if that toss-on goal would have gone in against uh, Crystal Palace we'd we'll be talking about a side who's been winning the last few games and he's gone on a mad unbeaten run and we can't change a team like that um, it was just unfortunate we didn't put it in the back of the net um, and maybe that's due to the shortcomings of some of the play, some of the forward players but um, I don't think it's time to switch it about too much I think, uh, don't change it if it's, if it's not broken and um, Although Davis will get a chance, obviously, with the new contract. I think that shows he'll get a chance in the future, but I wouldn't chuck him in from the start here on Friday night, Now You look at this game, it's a must-win. It's to finish seventh,
0: uh, and then Tottenham after that, unless there's a real freak set of results, and I think Wolves will have to lose both of their games, and, and Leicester obviously would now, it's going to take six points. It's the difference this season on the Marco Silva that we're now going to a Tottenham. I'm thinking, you know, we can actually match these, or we can have a go at least.
1: I would definitely say so because, you know, he's the one who's broke the, was it 22 games? We went without beating a top six team. So he's the one that's broke that and he didn't just break it with one. He followed it up straight afterwards with, we've gone Arsenal, Chelsea uh, and Manchester United. So he's done three on the bounce. I would definitely say... I fancy us against Tottenham. Obviously, they've got the distractions now with the, the, the Champions League semi-final against Ajax. You've seen that with the result that they got at the weekend there, Tottenham. Um, depending on how the results go <clears throat> in the two legs over against Ajax.
0: And they're either flat or they've got a bigger thing on their mind, haven't exactly. they? Here. so
1: yeah, they're there for the taking from yourself. Wolves games aren't the easiest. They're at home to Fulham yeah and Fulham flying. are in good form yeah. and you know Scotty Parker's doing a really good job there. I fancy Fulham to get at least a point. And then, obviously, they play Liverpool, don't they? Last game and, you know, Liverpool's still going to be fighting for the league. I can't see Wolves getting anything out of that. Maybe a point, but nothing more than a point. So, it gives us a chance. We've got the superior goal difference, so you could overtake them. Leicester, they've got City. um, And then Arsenal. And then Arsenal last day. So... We, we've got every chance, it's, it's, there's still a possibility, so I agree with Tom, it's not broke, so don't fix it at the moment, keep the strongest team out there, let's go for the six points, if we get seventh, brilliant, pat on the back to Marco Silva, you know, for getting us there, bit of good fortune towards the end of the season, results-wise, we've gone our way, but go all out for it now.
0: Marco Silva has said many times this season he wants to improve on what Everton did last season, And that's, you have to finish seventh to do that. And there's a chance we won't, there's a chance we finish eighth, could be ninth, could be tenth. And no doubt Sam Allardyce will be on Talk Sport the Monday morning after that game against uh <laughs> Tottenham. Won't he? You could you could just see it now. But But
1: well, he's I'm, been appointed international manager. Yeah,
0: I know, but of India's supposedly yes, getting linked yeah, with now, isn't it he? Is. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. But <laughs> And he will, and there will be people out there, Tom, who will go, well, you know, Silver, he's not done as well as Allardyce last season. And to be fair to, to Allardyce, and I'm trying to be to be fair to him, <laughs> here, he, did have a, he did come into a club that was in a bit of chaos. Relegations over, weren't me. Everyone listening to this podcast will be Evertonians. If you weren't, say, I don't know, another fan of a club was, ended up listening to it, tell them the difference between last season and this season, Silver and Allardyce.
2: Um, it's hard to sum it up because it's, it's a massive difference altogether playing style obviously is the main one um, it was field, it was it was terrible it was uh, even the players from that season like Vlasic just come out and said it wasn't even football that we played uh, it was getting results but it was just bringing it back to absolute basics terrible football 10 men behind the ball not even it was. It, you didn't even want to go and watch it. You, like it, it, it was that kind of thing. You, you weren't even looking forward to going to Goodison to watch a football match. But now, this season, we're beating the top six sides. It's, it's uh, high press. It's, it's it's completely different. It's much more entertaining. And it's, it's starting to bring results now as well. Um, obviously, I think if if it were Marco Silva from the start of the season, maybe if he had a little bit more time before that, we would have been getting results and we would have done better than Allardyce uh, did. But obviously, that was purely results based and um, he's just a firefighter Sam Dice. he was only put there as a stopgap to stop us from getting relegated because we knew the stadium would fall through if we didn't um, if, if we got relegated so now we're actually getting what we want and um, the whole feeling around the club is completely transformed
1: <coughs> At one point I was worried he was going to try and get Kevin Davis out of retirement in January <laughs> to go over top of the type of style of football we were going to go heading towards <sighs> it was um, not what Evertonians are used to and not what Ever- e- e- Evertonians should 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 have to witness ever again, hopefully. Um Marco Silva, he's come in different style of football, different way of playing. Um, it's not always worked, and especially from the start, but we are starting to see it now working. Um we've gone over the clean sheets, um, we've gone over the high pressing, um, sixty four percent of possession. That's what everything should be doing under Allardyce. I think we were getting like 38% of possession I think the opposition only had about 38% of the possession and the the, uh, the stands had the other 20% that was hanging yeah. about in there or something maybe it wasn't good
0: it wasn't you know so just before we wrap up we'll no doubt speak to you lads again over the summer when we're doing these podcasts but we might not speak to you before, until after the, uh, the Tottenham game now whatever happens in these two Would you view the season, if not a success, would you view it as one that you think, you know what, there's hope here?
2: Something to build on, definitely, isn't it? Obviously, the finish to the season is something to build on, but I'd remember it as a season of the derby being the changing point the turning point um, that's what I'd remember it as anyway I think after the first derby went on a massive downfall after the second derby went on a massive upturning form um, so that's how I'd remember it but definitely going into next season there's loads of positives to build on and I think it's come at exactly the right time we need the transfer window to build on what we're making at the moment but what we are making at the moment is exciting and I can't wait to see how it progresses next year to be honest
1: The, the, The word you just said there Tom progress that's what I'd say Ended the season progressively, but progressively well. Um, You've you, you, you hit the nail on the head. We spoke about we spoke about it in the last podcast I was on. It has been a tale of two derbies. The first one, we suffered the biggest hangover probably of any football teams had. You would have thought we were on the Jack Daniels for about three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Constantly. Like, yeah. It, it, it was that kind of way. Confidence was drained. Everything was taken out of it. Positive results, you know, with the with the draw in the second derby. And from there, we don't seem to have looked back. We beat, beat Arsenal, beat Chelsea, beat United. And we beat them comfortably. We beat them comfortably. And the the, the fans are going to, to Friday night at Burnley in good spirits and a good send-off. And as I say, what, what you said, progress definitely is the word of our season. And long may it continue with a good summer in the transfer market um, and displays right from the word go.
0: Well said, so we'll just wrap up on our usual predictions. Burnley, home, Friday night, last game at Goodison for the season. What are we predicting?
2: Ten, man, ten men behind the ball from Burnley. Oh Both. yeah,
0: Deitch is, like, Deitch is a bit of a like your Allardyce, isn't he? don't yeah. think he's quite as bad, but he's uh, <laughs> not pretty, is it? He's
2: getting that way. I think they brought it back to basics earlier, um, midway through the season they realized he couldn't play like a normal side because he'd just get relegated. So they brought it back to ten men behind the ball like they used to play. So I think it will be hard to break them down, but I'm hoping we get a 1-0 win.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. We were having a look at the results from April, weren't we, Tom, before we were talking about? Yeah, they beat the likes of Cardiff everything, but, you know, they got a draw away at Chelsea. They only got beat 1-0 by City, so they're going to be a tough team to break down. Uh, however, I'm going to go for positive 2-0 win.
0: I'll go one better. 3-0, early goal. Get Burnley to come out and then uh, we can hit them. (laughs) (laughs) It is open. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with the Royal Blue podcast. Uh, And thanks to Tom Clark and Anthony McCallum for coming in. Really enjoyed listening to you, lads.
2: You've been listening
0: to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.